Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen, and I have with me my friend, Alex. Hi, everybody. (laughs) We're doing an intro together. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So Alex and I are actually having a chill day together. Yeah, we are. We are currently in the middle of watching Singing in the Rain. I'm singing in the rain, just <laughs> singing in the rain. And it's, <laughs> I've never seen it before, so Alex is like, you got to see this. And I am enthralled. Oh, it's dancing. so good. Right, the dancing. I want to take up tap dancing. Me too. It's so good. I know. Uh, so if you haven't listened, anybody listening right now, if you have not seen Dancing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain. Did I keep calling it Dancing in the Rain? You just did it once. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you've not seen Singing in the Rain, (laughs) it's because I was thinking about the dancing. Um, You got to watch that classic. It's a classic. Now, for those of you who don't like classics, you might not enjoy it. It is kind of slow. There's singing, there's dancing, but it's not like big and flashy. No, but it's so, but it's. The talent. The talent. Gene Kelly. Yeah. Okay. That's the name of the main the guy. main guy. Okay. Yeah. He is good. Yeah. Yeah. And seriously, I'm gonna be looking up tap dancing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> I want to look like I'm floating, <laughs> right Running across the stage while my legs just like move underneath me, like as if they are independent from my body. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. 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 Um. So, Alex. Do you know who I'm going to be introducing? I don't. Please en- enlighten me. Oh my goodness, I will. <laughs> so, I'm going to be introducing a guy named Lee. 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 Lee Fraser. He has a business, actually, in uh, Cape Breton. Okay. It's called Live Life Intense. Ooh, wait. Like, intense or like, intent? Like I tend. intent, Ooh. intense. Yeah, it's anyway. And he's uh, yeah. So he's a hard worker. And during the uh, so like during the podcast, the interview that we had, I got to kind of peek into the way that his brain functions, and it's just always going. Oh yeah, that it, sounds exhausting. It totally does. And it, I was in complete awe. And what was it like? And there was like a motivation behind it. And also I was just like, I can't function. <laughs> Cause it's because it's, but like, this is the, the, this is the type of person that like gets a business up and running and, and then keeps like powering through, starts new things, gets things like, and he's highly organized that's even harder to find. Someone who starts a business can keep it running and keep it all together. Yeah, I don't know how he does it, right? I think he's a myth. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I actually just sat and talked to a wall for like an hour. It's a fictional character. It's a fictional they don't exist character. in real life. People are going to listen to this podcast and just be like, it's just Ruth talking. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Ruth making a different voice, pretending that she's talking back to herself. <laughs> Poor Lee. Poor Lee. <laughs> It doesn't exist. <laughs> um, but it was really cool being able to talk with him. He's a really, like, he is, like, a really kind person. Um, mm. And he's, t- 
tidy. He's a tidy person, right? How? Where, how do no, these he people? Cannot he can't be exist. Real. He's not real. No, he's not real. And um, I was like. I have like three kids. I'm not on top of everything all the time. Like I'm not. And so I was like kind of sitting with him and I'm like, I'm just, yeah, I'm intimidated. I'm definitely intimidated. I mean, I don't have any kids and I'm not on top of it. So <laughs> you're doing better than me. Just it's for the record. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, there's just always so much. Yeah. Right. And so he, but he seems to really have gotten a handle on how to function under that kind of pressure and keep things going. And but he did admit to burnout. I'm quite sure. I don't think I imagined that. I don't remember <laughs> if he mentioned it on the podcast. It might have been in our conversation beforehand. Mm. Either way, incredible guy. And it was really cool to be able to listen to to just get a little sliver of how his mind goes, how his mind runs, because scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, people like that are quite intimidating. Yes, absolutely. But I'm also quite thrilled that he's a friend. Aww, he's a friend. friend. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Lee, shout out to you, dude. I don't know how you do it, but you are really, really cool. So thanks for coming in and talking with me. And everybody who's listening, you're in for a treat. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> I don't know about all of you. <laughs> I can't wait, though. That's right. So, well, uh, I think that's good. We're good. We're good. Go back to singing in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's Lee. You were talking about your... Oh, the podcasts, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I ran three podcasts for a while. So one was, the first one was um, actually, scratch that, there was four podcasts that I was kind of a part of, one of them. So years ago, before podcasts were big, yeah. um, so I was in the DJ circuit here, uh, producing music, and my friend um, Des, who's from Bedford here, uh, Derek Sylvester, he had... Um, he had started this podcast called Forever Friday. So this is how I met a lot of uh, friends of mine in that scene through him. So I met him on a message board. We started making music together. Um, I was working offshore, came back to Halifax. He was uh, managed by his friend, Billy Comer, who ended up becoming my best friend uh, and business partner with all my events and stuff later on. Um, and we also managed artists as well together and all that stuff. So when Des was running this podcast, we recorded it here in Bedford uh, behind Chicken Burger's dad's house in the basement. <laughs> it's called Forever Friday. Amazing. He would, pr he would do a mix, like an hour-long DJ mix, and then we would all go over and get absolutely shark-eyed drunk through the whole thing, record all the voiceovers. There was like running inside jokes. So if you paid attention to... Uh, if you paid attention to the podcast and listened to it week after week after week, there was like a running series of jokes. Like the big song... Um, of the week would be called the bird swinger and we had like aliases on the podcast so it was like des and blackout bill and and uh uh what insano delano and then it was like <laughs> all these kind of characters that would pop in and then people would do multiple characters so there was kind of like a running joke throughout the whole thing so the bird swinger would be just kind of like bill off the top of his head was always referencing like your penis basically is like <laughs> swinging the bird having a bird bath blah blah right, blah blah, blah. Okay. it was a, a hilarious 
podcast. So we just joked around the whole time and, and didn't really care. We didn't think there was that many people like listening to it, but because Des has a lot of reach and a lot of his music gets played by a lot of massive international artists. So he would, you know, a lot of his following at the time was over in Eastern Europe and stuff. So we would get people like messaging him on his Facebook thread. Like, so we'd be doing shout outs to people all over the States, all over the place. And we're just like drinking booze and having fun. It would end up becoming like a weekly party on every Thursday night. We'd go to his dad's place and get absolutely hammered, do this podcast, wake up the next morning, put it out, and then it would be Friday. It was called Forever Friday. So that was the first one, and then we did another one. Mine was called After Dark Music. Um, that was just a weekly DJ mix. Uh, sometimes I'd have interviews with people, mostly it was just straight music, um, just to have content out. And then I did one with my friends called Forever... F- no, that's the other one. What was it? Oh, Pogi Chips. Yeah, so two years ago, we were all on unemployment, aka Pogi. And then we were all kind of sitting around and we did this thing all summer called Taco Tuesdays and everybody in Marguerite would get together. And um, we're sitting there one night and we're just joking about how much chips we're going to eat. We're on unemployment now. We're going to go get the cheap chips or whatever. And then <laughs> uh, somebody said, oh, we should, and this is the time we were all listening to big on podcasts and listening to them. And we're all talking about it a lot. So we said, oh, we should do one. And I had a studio in my house. So I said, okay, what are we going to call it? And my friend Jeremy, who runs Cape Breton uh, West Paddleboards in Marguerite, he, um, he, he was like, why don't we just call it Pogi Chips? We're in Pogi, and we'll just review different kinds of chips every week. So that's <laughs> kind of how it started. And then we got okay. together. We did a pilot. I sent it to people. It was just us reviewing chips and, and shooting the shit and talking absolute nonsense, everybody having a couple of drinks and getting loose. Um, and then I kind of was like, we need something else, another anchor to get people in. Yeah, we'll talk about chips, but just something um, that gave us something to talk about. And so I think this was like the start of like the whole Joe Rogan Sober October shit years ago. Like, why don't we just challenge one another every week, weekly challenges? And we draw it out of a hat and we get people to like vote on which ones, like we can do crowd um, recommended ones. Like people can just like send us messages, DMs on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, or just text us because if they'll listen to it, whatever. And so there was like vest week where we had to wear nothing but a vest. Like everything waist up was a vest all week, no matter where you were, a vest. So it was like November <laughs> and I was like in a chainsaw cutting down trees in my property, trying to clear land. And I'm like wearing nothing but a leather vest. And like Joel was off working and wearing nothing but a vest. Like As in like no shirt underneath nothing, the vest? just a vest. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we had like the bake off where which was like the highest rated one and listened to ones to date. Um, I forget what that, that had like something like almost a thousand downloads. Now I was just looking it up. It was ridiculous. Um, so we did, what was that one? We all had to like pick something and, um, and do a, a bake, like a cake or bake something. And we had judges, guest judges that came in and Lucy was busy. Who's the only female, by the way, it was myself and my friend, Joel, uh, Jeremy, from Cape Breton West Battleboards, my buddy uh, Brian LeBlanc, aka Tall Guy, aka the Vagabond Drum Maker, mm-hmm. um, and then Lucy, um, who's from Dartmouth here, and uh, she didn't have time to bake anything, so she brought like this big roast pan, and she is like unbelievable cook. So we uh, <laughs> we we thought that, so everybody like upped their game all week. Jeremy spent like days making this like cake, and I spent I had this like nice Oreo cheesecake, really rich thing, and everybody spent time and energy on each individual item. And then she just came in, opened the roast pan, and it was a bunch of joints. And he's like, oh, it's a bake-off. And then we all smoked and got absolutely ripped. And then people just started tearing us apart. Instead of, like, commenting on the best parts, they just 
all the guests just like started ripping us apart. It was hilarious. So <laughs> yeah. And then the other one was uh, Living Life Intently that I kind of was a short lived. I uh, started it last summer for Live Life Intense. And then I just didn't have any time. I couldn't manage my time. And trying to get one, I got one episode with Sawyer, um, my buddy Sawyer, who runs Country Liberty, was the first one. And then the next one, I had uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, God damn, the author. Uh, it's eluding me right now. Anyway, he wrote the book. Um, uh, he wrote the book called Pumping Iron uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. His um, fuck, what's his name? He lives right across. He has a house right across the road from me. Anyways, he uh, he wrote the book uh, Pumping Iron, which then got developed into a documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno. It's like a classic bodybuilding documentary. And wow. Arnold Schwarzenegger's first film was his first novel, or no, his one of his novels was Schwarzenegger's first film. And then he ended up making up with him, writing Pumping Iron, did the documentary, and then he was also. Um, a, uh, the inventor of paintball, him and his friend back in the eighties. So, oh my gosh! Yeah, we like. I met him. He came to my house. He's like, "Hey, just introduce myself. Um, I'd like to write an article about you guys because I'm still working with Sports Illustrated and all these other places." And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. And then he left. So maybe I'll stop in again sometime. That day we had our tube stolen, uh, inner tubes that we tube with, um, and then I dealt with that. We went to dinner. And he was there at the table next to me. And then I was having drinks. He sat me down. I go, listen, I'll do your interview. Do my podcast before you leave. And he goes, okay. So he shows up the next day. And we, he goes, we're going to do this thing? And we sit down. And we start recording. I'm asking him about all his books. That section didn't record. And then I sorted it out. And then we got into like the whole paintball crazy story of how he invented paintball. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So that was the only two episodes. And then uh, I actually recorded five more. But I didn't put any of them out. But anyways. That was a little bit of a history. I don't know if you're going to use any of that. Um, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you are... Okay. We'll back it up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I'm trying to catch up. <laughs> you strike me as a person who is highly productive. In certain aspects. Yes. Why do you say that in certain aspects? Um, I am, yes, uh, on a lot of levels. But then there are, are also times where I'm just like, no, nothing's happening today. Like, I mean, and, and like I, you can't be, I guess you can't be on every day. But, no, you um, can't. Yeah, I get bored very quickly. Uh, when I sit idle, I just get like, huh, get anxious. Like, I got to get shit done. Huh, never thought of that. Well. <laughs> <laughs> figured it out. You figured it out. Um, yeah. You know, actually, it's funny that you say that because I think that before, because so um, for context, everybody, Lee and I were talking upstairs. Oh, this is Lee. Oh, hey, everybody. My name is Lee Frazier. And <laughs> <laughs> we were talking upstairs and I was expressing some of my frustration over how difficult it is to stay on top of house cleaning and how I was very on top of it before. And I'm sure there are so many reasons for why I'm just not on top of it anymore. But I think one of them is actually that I've started medication to help me with my depression and anxiety. And now that I have, it's kind of weird because it's like I have crippling anxiety. But I think that before I, I had anxiety that just made me not able to sit still. So I was just kind of always kind of on top on top of everything and whatever. And now I'm not on top of everything because it's more I... I I do sit still. It's like I get overwhelmed easily by this list of to-dos in my head, which yeah. 
then makes me feel like it's just too much. And then I just don't do anything. Yep. And that's um, something that I'm still trying to kind of figure out. I know that like people will say, you know, write things down, which, yeah, I'll write things down. And then it's just like this list, this really long list that I still don't get to. And I know like, okay, and here's the other thing that really frustrates me. A lot of people will be really organized and they're kind of like, oh, well, you can break it down to all these things and you can do this and this and you can assign certain tasks to certain days. And then when they like talk like that, I'm just kind of like, oh, it's too much. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's I think a lot of it is because like I just have other things now that I want to do. Yeah. And I can't do it all. I know. Yeah. Well, it's the same. It's like now it's I've been so busy all summer um, running the business and and we were short staffed and it was just mayhem. And then trying to uh, spend the fall. I'm by myself now, but spend the fall. I still have the campground. I still have the glamping. So I still have to do housekeeping here and there. I don't have as many guests as I used to. Um, but I had to kind of try to juggle that with testing out, um, hiking stuff, um, in like the Northern Highlands. Plus we're filming a documentary. So then I had to like pick days to film that look at the calendar and try to do all this. So my, bookkeeping, even though I have people that do that, like all that sort of stuff to organize it for people, I just kind of kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Like I'll get it down, I'll get it down when stuff calms down. But the problem is, is that things don't ever really calm down. Yeah. You, you think you go, oh yeah, the end of October after this past weekend where we had the creative weekend. Oh yeah, it's going to close down. It's going to be really quiet. There's going to be nobody around. But yet again, my schedule was like packed. I'm here for meetings, uh, picking up stuff that I couldn't get Cape Breton. Then I'm in, in Truro tomorrow for meeting uh, at Stanfields. And then we have like Saturday is shuttling people up and down the river that are going uh, kayaking and, and canoeing. Sunday I take some new students out for guided hikes. I'd like two days to kind of like figure out what I'm doing. Mostly if it's good weather, I'm going filming. Then I have like a, um, a tourism conference, uh, innovators conference or summit, whatever, um, in Cape Breton on Wednesday. And then the next week I'm gone for five days hiking the seawall trail up north and then I'm back and then like down here in Wolfville to edit. So I'm like, when in that period of time am I going to get time to sit down and go over things and get everything lined up? Um, Because right now it's at, I wish it was at the point where I could just hire somebody to be like an assistant and manage all that shit. So alleviate all that stress, but I'm not there yet. Maybe in a year, maybe in a year and a half, maybe two years, I can do that. But right now... I have to kind of manage everything. And it's like I said, upstairs time management. And then people that make all those lists, like, I mean, list for me, lists are amazing. Like I get up, my method every morning is to get up and write stream of conscious writing. It's like in that gibberish that comes out that makes no sense because it's just on run on sentences, random thoughts, but I just write everything down. And within that, it's like you can just see little keywords and those are your lists. Those, oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do that, this, this. And that gets added to a list on my notepad and I've got two other notepads. But I don't break it down to all this shit. I don't have like Friday, I'm going to clean my whole house. Usually Sundays are like cleaning and doing a little bit of cooking and stuff if I can. Mostly like the summer they're not. In the wintertime because it's like barren land, Cape Breton. There's not much to do other than like snowshoe and like stay warm. So I get on top <laughs> of a lot of that. But um yeah, I think people have lost their minds that break it down too much because they spend too much time breaking it down into lists. And then next thing you're spending all this time uh, worrying about like, oh, I didn't organize this properly. Oh, I need to look at this list. I need to do this. That's not added to the right spot. And that's just a waste of time. It's kind of like an, an similar to an analogy about um, some music production. <clears throat> so, and this kind of applies to any artistic field um, for the most part. So 
when I was working on music, I wanted to be as authentic as possible, right? So meaning when you work on music, I would not want to use pre-made loops or presets and synthesizers. I want to make my own sounds and I want to make my own samples or at least build my own drum loops out of samples that I've got. So I sample would be like uh, a snare hit, drum kick, whatever. So I'd build those loops, but it takes so much time to kind of learn that process that the curve is just so big. And then I was sitting there and I was in this like music program when work died down, uh, work offshore died down. I had a year off to work on my house and work on music, whatever. And, um, anyways, I took, uh, I was like looking through Instagram and somebody had shared this, this image and it's like the way, and I would screenshot it and I'm putting it on a, a big picture. I print it off and put it on a frame picture in my house because I love it so much. And wow. it just, it was like an aha moment because I was reading it and it says, oh, I, I love dance music, so I want to DJ. And then it's like, next line says, oh, I, I started DJing um, so much, I want to make my own music. And it's like, okay, I want to make my own music. So I started to use loops and samples, but I wanted to make my own loops and samples, uh, or so, loops and sounds. So I started making my own, like using drum samples to make those loops. But I didn't think that was real. So I ended up, you know, playing the instruments then recording them and, and making my own sounds. And then it goes to the next one. It's like, well, I thought that was not true enough. That's kind of vibe of this. And it's like, so I started, you know, making my own drums to play and do this. And it's like, well, that wasn't true. So I started skinning my own drums and making all the skins and tanning animals. And it goes, I haven't much made much music lately with all the sheep farming and all or something like that. And it's kind of like oh. plays it down. So then I go, oh, shit. And then I started thinking about it more. I'm sitting around my house and... My, uh, I was doing this music program and everybody in the music program is like 18, 19 and I'm like 30 at the time. And, um, and it's all done remotely. It's a school in LA and I was kind of like talking to the guys about it. At the time I was renovating my house. So I would work on the house all day and because this was in LA and all the classes were at night, then I'd stay up late, make coffee, do all like the Google Hangouts, chat with everybody, do all the classes and then start working on the projects and then working on music, my own music. And, uh. I'm thinking about it more after I read that. I'm like, wow, it's like, you know, you're trying to say if you're trying to build a house, right? And you have a deadline or if you're doing a competition of building something, one guy shows up with a hammer and a set of nails and the other guy shows up with a pneumatic gun. Who's going to finish first? And in today's world, it's all about how much stuff you can get out because the amount of music, so amount of music or vice versa, if you're looking at like Instagram and content creation, the amount of content that's coming out is insane. So you got to constantly be like, popping out stuff you can't just do like a record here a record there i mean the big guys can do it but to make your name you have to constantly be there populating so for me to get to that point i'm gonna have to use samples i'm gonna have to use packs and then what happened was my productivity went way up because the i took all that time that i was wasting on on like producing music or making loops and making my own samples and blah 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 which was fun but I had a house to build and I had this, all this other shit to do. So I just like streamlined that whole process and then found what worked for me and then boom, 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 boom. Then things got done and then you start learning about building templates and streamlining workflow and that just added a whole other ball game to it. But, um, and then all that stuff is applicable to everything. So uh, not just the creative, but in life in general. So, you know, don't make drums, just use the shit that's already done. It's like you're not making a tool to build a house. Like you're not going out and, and forging um, uh, nails anymore, like in a blacksmith and then using it in a house, spending a year making nails to build a house. You can just go to the store and cut that whole time out. Boom, done. Let's go. But, you know, that's the kind of, I don't know where I was going with that topic, but 
You just blew my mind. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Honestly, this morning I was feeling really anxious and I couldn't really figure out why. I think that a lot of it had to do with just like that, like I have all these things I need to do and I was feeling really anxious about the fact that I'm not going to get it done. And then just like hearing you talk about that stuff, it was like, kind of (laughs) like gave me some hope again. Yeah. It's just little things, right. That, that make a huge effort and um, like, you know, just like I said, upstairs, um, to curb that kind of like anxiety. Cause I know what you're talking about and we we're, we're chatting about it. And now I kind of understand, well, maybe I do have anxiety, but I have anxiety from sitting still. Um, and maybe I do have a little bit when, you know, when people are in my space and, you know, things aren't the way it normally is. And you wake up in the morning and there's like dirty dishes in the sink and then you have to clean those dishes. That takes time. Like mm-hmm. even, you know, like I said, upstairs was, you know, at night, making sure everything's clean, everything's either on the drying rack, like I don't have a dishwasher, so it's a drying rack because I've mismeasured my, I'm not the best carpenter, mismeasured my kitchen by one inch, so now I can't fit a dishwasher in. By one inch? Yeah, my uncle's like, why don't you just shift your sink over one inch and have it off-center to your window? I'm like, because I'm a lunatic, and I'm going to notice that every time I look at my goddamn sink, and it's going <laughs> to piss me off. So, but you can get a smaller dishwasher, that's not the issue, I just... I haven't gotten there and it's just usually me. So it's easy, but just having all that stuff clean, um, having food ready to go, like prepping food, I just thought was like horse shit. Cause it was like this bodybuilding, the fad, blah, 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 blah. But it does save a lot of time. So, I mean, this summer, like I said, didn't get into it a lot cause I was just a shit show business was nuts. So it's like go from like 5am to like midnight every day, sleep a couple hours, get up, go again. And then, uh, <clears throat> so I didn't have time to do all that stuff, but uh, I ate out a lot. That was the thing that killed. Boom. Yeah. Food. Boom, boom, boom. Sandwich. Boom. On the go. Good to go. But, uh, you know, making, um, making, grinding that coffee, put it in your French press, having the kettle ready to go. Or if you're doing drip filters, whatever, just have everything ready to press play. Or if you do a timer one, then timer that kills time in the morning. You can get up. You don't have to worry about it. It's done. You sit down, then you can go right into emails and you stop that process of like constantly being like, Oh fuck. Now I got to go clean those dishes or uh yeah the french press is outside or it's in the studio it's still dirty oh i gotta go clean that so that takes time and over the whole course of the day all those little things add up to minutes to hours that you're just wasting because you could have done them the day before i have this like tattoo that's here uh it says do today what others won't tomorrow so basically that is like i got well i got that at four in the morning in honduras by the way, <laughs> after, yeah, after a trivia night, um, <laughs> there's a whole story behind that story. Uh, but anyways, we'll get into it. Wow. Um, so basically that was, that's kind of like, uh, there's a quote that's something similar to that. That's how I remember the quote in my head. So that's why I got it in my arm. And, um, that's just saying, you know, get shit done today and then it's done. And you don't have to worry about it the next day. Like that's why my, like when I was growing up, is really ingrained into me because my dad just constantly worked. Like he's been working since he was like at school when he was 14 because his dad died and he went to heavy mechanics school and then just worked in the family business all his life. And he would be gone. Like my mom would, you know, my mom worked a full-time job too. And she'd come home and have like food ready to go and dinner. And we were waiting on dad and dad would still be on one of the log trucks or the dump truck because if he got that one extra load done that day, then he could do something else tomorrow. So that was money in the bank that was done, delivered, boom. He maybe got home at 10 o'clock at night. He went to the shower and went to bed, but it was done. Then you can move on to something the next day. And you can get more shit done the next day. 
And it's all in trying to figure out how you can streamline your entire life, your entire day to get as much done as humanly possible in that day. But then in doing that, the double-edged sword is that, um, you know, burnout is a real effect. Then I get burnt out. Like this summer, I get burnt out. I work seven days a week from like 5 a.m. until probably midnight every day. And so that's like three and a half months, like straight like that. And then you start to get burnt out. Then you're, you know, you just don't want to be there anymore. Your energy levels aren't as high. You're getting short, especially with me being like customer service. You get short with people and I'm already short with people. Just that's my nature. I just like having fun with people and razzing people, as they say, or chirping them. Uh-huh. Which there's no malicious intent behind it. It's just kind of like picking on them and having fun. But yeah, a lot of people take that the wrong way. And they go, he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but away she goes. But that has been my whole journey over the last, like, what, 34? So since I was 30. Before that was a whole different ball game. Like, my 20s was, like, mayhem. Uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't as nearly as kind of organized as I am now. And I'm not really that organized. But that was a whole different. I don't even know if you want to get into that shit. That's craziness. Depends if you want to get into it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, maybe people want to get any value out of it. So I guess to do that, I probably have to give a little bit of a backstory um, into it. It's kind of like a it's a big switch in lifestyle. So before I met, like I only met Sean since I started Live Life Intense, right? Yeah. So And I met you through Sean. And I met a lot of people that I currently know now through that whole process. And all the people that I've met previously knew me as something different. That's why my, my buddy Sad, who was down um, uh, at the Craves weekend, he didn't even know I was behind the Live Life Tense brand. He's like, I would never have thought in a million years that was you. I'm like, dude, this is shit I grew up doing. Like, I grew up exploring. I grew up in the Highlands. My dad had me strap with a backpack on when I was like five years old and then go. And if I didn't keep up, I was gone. I was gone, left behind. Like dad was way up ahead and I was like strailing back. So I had to keep up with him and like keep pushing, <clears throat> which is like, you know, something lost on, on today's youth. And, and like, that's why a lot of my friends have, um, since I've had kids, they've moved back home to give them kind of a similar, uh, youth as, as we did. Cause we got to explore. I mean, you don't wish bad things on your kids at all, but growing up, breaking bones, getting hurt, getting scraped, learning and in, in that process was huge for us. Like we grew up with like, man, we were ripping around in four wheelers since when I was like five years old and like flipping them and breaking bones and like cuts. And I'd like slip my whole arm open on steel roofing once because I was goofing off and like all this bullshit, right? Snap my uh, <coughs> collarbone on a four wheeler and had to walk through the woods for like three hours. And then, yeah, it's craziness. <laughs> And then, yeah, I did a lot of crazy shit growing up, but we just picked the craziest things to do and then go and do them. And then through that, we learned our, like, what we can and can't do. Oh, you messed yourself up on that rock face and you like, you know, my friend's leg was pretty much like half ripped off by this big boulder that came falling down. Well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. So we didn't go do that anymore. But you learn like your boundaries through doing all that stuff. Um, But yeah, where were we going? Oh, history. Yeah, shit. I get sidetracked a lot, by the way. That's great. I, I get sidetracked, too. <laughs> um, history, yeah. So I grew up in Cape Breton. So um, I grew up in Marguerite Valley um, in a family that was, like, very, 
business orientated. Uh, everybody ran their own business pretty much. So my grandmother ran a forestry business and that's where I grew up in the woods. And then my dad did Boy Scouts when I was like five. And then I was in every adventure with them doing crazy, crazy stuff, winter hiking, multi-day, like backcountry stuff. <clears throat> it's crazy. I was looking at old pictures too. And the shoes and sneakers that we have were like old Converse, like pumps that some people were wearing, not hiking boots. It's nice. like ridiculous. <laughs> To think of that happened back then. They allowed you to do that shit back then. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I grew up in the woods. I grew up exploring. Uh, then I kind of got in high school, got into uh, uh, music and DJing, uh, which everybody had known me for for ages growing up. I just DJed all the teen dances. Then I found out that, you know, I was doing the math at all these like teen dances and like fundraisers for like youth clubs. And I'm like, oh, you know, they're actually making like 1500 bucks at 2000 and they're only paying us 200 bucks. I could run this whole thing and we could make all that money and split it three ways. So then I went in and I kind of was like the promoter. I would book the bouncers, book the hall, pay for the rentals. This is like 14, 15, 16 years old. And so like every other weekend, we'd be rolling around with like hundreds of, hundreds of dollars and $5 bills in our pockets. And we were like, you know, kids. And that was back in like the 90s, uh, late 90s, early thousands. <clears throat> and uh, so I did that all through high school. Hated high school. Didn't give a shit about high school. Uh, I knew early on because of the family I grew up in that you could make it without any education as long as you had drive and you had some sort of know-how and ability. Oh, sound card. He's going to flip the sound card over. Maybe. Yeah, Anyways. Sorry, Picard is in here. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking out for your gear. So, I appreciate it. Yeah. But that was high school. And nothing was really in place for anybody like that. It was either you went to university or you went to college. So... At that point in time, I'm like, I'm going to be a professional DJ. That's all I'm going to do. So I moved to Halifax, brought my gear up here, lived in a tiny apartment. I had like a mattress on the floor, but I had like thousands of dollars for the DJ gear. Spent all my money on records, hung out at every record store, uh, played the after-hour clubs. And then was into that scene. Spent a year doing that. Realized that it's very clickish here, and it was hard to do it. And not a lot of people made a career out of it. There was like odd guys like Scratch Bastard and, and a few people like that that, that made a career out of it. But um, for the most part, um, it wasn't a big thing. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like the first guy to do this. And then, um, anyways, we, <clears throat> I took a year, went to trade school, came back, didn't like it, uh, ended up in Holland college in Prince Edward Island doing a diving program, commercial diving program. Cause I thought that that was, uh, crazy and it would make some good money. And I had no clue what it was. I just was like underwater welding. Yep doing that so then I signed up for it got into school got there for the first day people are talking about saturation diving no clue what that was I just said I wanted something crazy they paid really well and then um, we went through the program went home googled what sat diving was I'm like that's crazier I'm gonna do that someday so basically saturation diving is where you it's primarily set up for deep water construction so you live in a hyperbaric chamber for a month and then you go in another small chamber that goes down to the seabed like an elevator so you stay compressed for the entire month with in like a tiny little bubble basically a little tin can with like four or five other guys and so there'd be like normally there'd be like 12 guys in a system four teams of three and then 24 hours of two guys in the water working so you just work and you spend a month in that can you do you know, anywhere from like I've done, you know, two day decompressions to like 10 day decompressions. So you just, that's, that's the job, but it enabled me to focus on music on the side. I had the money to do what I wanted to do to like, you know, if I didn't want to go back to work for like four months, I didn't have to go to work for four months because I had banked a shit ton of money and I had no debt paid for everything. So that's kind of what I did. And I was in the DJ scene, music scene. Um, then that was in my early 20s. I got out of school. 
ended up traveling around the world as in Egypt, Malta, Italy, working Gulf of Mexico, um, and then back here in Halifax. And every time I came back, I would have like a tour lined up. So I would do like a DJ circuit, play all these clubs around the East Coast. Uh, then I'd go back offshore, come back. And then through that, I met the guy I was talking about previously that I did podcasts with, Des. And then we started making music together, making podcasts. I met Billy, uh, and then we formed a company called After Dark Entertainment Group, which we did event promotions and marketing in Halifax. So anything hip-hop and electronic for like a good eight-year span, like any of the big names, it was all us. Uh, Pusha T, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, the DJ Blend, Painter Die Tour. Uh, we managed Neon Dreams out of the gate. Um, and then we had like uh, events down in Ganesh, and this was all going on, but then through that whole process, you know, you're making money. And then I was, when you're in mid twenties and you're making a ridiculous income. And then this was play my, all these events were just fun for me. It was good to make a profit. Everybody's in to make a profit, but it was like really what I wanted to do. So I sunk a lot of money into these events. And if you know the event scene, it's kind of like so volatile around here. So sometimes we make really good money. Sometimes we lose our shirt and then it kind of equals out at the end. So we got out of it and, uh, or I got out of it. And, um, I was doing a lot of like traveling and then, you know, my late twenties end up in like DJing and then through the DJing scene, you get into the party scene a bit. And the party scene is like a whole other goddamn ball game. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, there's, everybody knows electronic music for, um, well, one music raves and then drug use and drug use is, is hand in hand with, with dance music. That's kind of how, you know, that whole scene developed. And it's always in the scene. That's just, it's common knowledge, right? And so the party scene is just like, you know, you get there, it's a lot of after parties, a lot of late nights. Um, and then we were doing like a lot of festivals, uh, attending festivals like BPM in Mexico. And then friends of mine started a festival in St. Martin um, in the Caribbean. And we were down there and we're at this um, this event and we're at this, this, um, this is a story I've told a few times. Um, we're at this villa, right, with these very wealthy guys. And at the time, I was kind of living very, like, crazy lifestyle. Like, I wouldn't bat my eye to spend thousands of dollars on clothes. Like, I had, like, crazy expensive watches, like, driving a Porsche at that time. Like, all this shit. Yeah, that was my 20s. I'm sorry. How? <laughs> okay. How are you only, what, 34? Yeah. 34. I think so, yeah. <laughs> How is that possible? You've lived like 18 lives already. Yeah. Um, it's been a journey, man. It's been fun. Um, You're driving a Porsche? Yeah. Well, back when I was a kid, like all I wanted to do was make money. Uh, that was my main goal. I just wanted to make money, bank money, and I chased money. That's all I did. And then through the diving, so the diving career, I uh, kind of get, didn't get into that. So diving alone is an insane lifestyle. Like the people that I work with, it's like opulence at its best. Like these guys are driving Ferraris. These guys are driving insane automobiles. They're wearing like $100,000 watches. It's a fucking crazy. And that's the only way for me to express it is by saying it's fucking crazy because it is. Um, there are a few guys that have their head on straight that think ahead of the game, uh, that don't get caught up in that lifestyle, that, um, you know, save money, put money away. A lot of guys do. They invest in, you know, watches and all that bullshit. But then there's some guys that just think about their future and they want to get out of it. Right. So, um, I kind of got up in the lifestyle bit and then I kind of had an awakening when I was at this party in St. Martin where I'm sitting there and it's just like anything you wanted was there. You walk in this villa, they're like, Oh yeah, the, the kitchen's over there. 
all those crates, there's like fucking Don Perignon, uh, high-end booze, like Grey Goose, and I'm not talking like a couple bottles. It is literally like crates and boxes and boxes and boxes. And they're like, whatever, take whatever you want, it'll be replaced tomorrow. And then there's a bowl on the, next to the pool, a big, big bowl, and it's full of drugs. Whatever you want was in that, like pounds and kilos of cocaine, pills, all that shit was in there. I'm like, he's like, do whatever you want of that. I'm like, ah, I'm cool. But he's like, do whatever you want to be replaced tomorrow. I'm like, fuck, this is another level of craziness. So at that point, when I was down there on that trip, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like all this stuff, I'm looking around, I'm like, one of those cases of like Dom Perignon is like equivalent to like a month or two wages of somebody that I grew up with. Like it's insane. It's like, not, this is a ridiculous lifestyle. And then when I got back, I'm like, I'm switching shit up. I don't like this anymore. Um, I'm going to change the way I'm going to live. I don't need all this stuff. And at the time, uh, I think I was turning 30 then. Um, everything kind of started to switch because the oil industry uh, went in a big recession. So my job offshore became obsolete, got laid off kind of around the same time. So it's kind of like, oh, this is a sign that I got to switch it up. And I had bought the house in Cape Breton and move decided to move home for a year take a year off i'm like i'm gonna explore this music and finally do that because i had applied to so many different schools throughout the 10 years since i graduated high school or whatever 10 11 years and uh, i always chose the offshore to make money so i can keep living my lifestyle <clears throat> and then um yeah i moved home and in that program uh, they taught a lot of kind of like buddhist techniques on workflow and and breaking through creative barriers, which I thought was horseshit. And then I'm paying money for this school. So I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. And then in doing that was this road that I ended up going down, which was streamlining workflow and like, Oh, okay. I can get shit done during the day. Oh, this is like, there's actually something to this. And I started producing more music, make more music, um, getting things signed to labels and then meeting people. And then I thought about it. And I, I remember being like, sitting there going, uh, do I really want to sit in a studio? I want to do something else. And in the spring, the next year in the spring, uh, I had friends down. We planned a trip for a friend of mine that wanted to do backpacking and hiking. We gave him a bunch of gear, planned him a whole trip. A week later, he emailed me and said, you should do this as a living. I'm like, oh. And that was the sort of like me going, oh, fuck, maybe we'll do this as a living. And that's how, why we started Live Life Intense. And it was kind of like, that was the end of May, but in June, I had all the branding, I had the website, everything was done, ready to launch. And then I get a call from the old diving companies again. And they're like, hey, do you want to come for like a three-week job? I'm like, yeah, I could squeeze in three weeks this summer. I need the money. Two months later, I'm still offshore. So we didn't launch until the end of the year. And then, you know, kind of it's all kind of history after that. So that one, like, it's crazy that one moment in this ridiculous scene in an island in the Caribbean was like the catalyst I mean, it was one of many reasons why I wanted to get out of that. But that was the catalyst for me moving home to doing this, to then doing that program that then led me down a whole different road, which is now Live Life Intense, and that's pretty much what I'm doing now. And I met, like, Sean. I met everybody through that. And that one moment was the reason why I did all of this. And now I'm here sitting, talking this podcast with you because of that, because I met Sean, because we're kind of in, because I met Lindsay, his sister, through doing Live Life Intense. And I met Wes, Booth, who's a good friend of mine who runs Canopy Creative in the Valley, the same time I met Lindsay because we were hiring photographers to come down for a week, and now we're working on a documentary about the Cabot Trail together. And we both kind of like, we're just starting out then. So it's all these like paths that I would not have even like, or the people that I would not even come in contact with had it not been for me searching for that 
that status, which was money, and then figuring out that I don't need this anymore. Like I made it. I was making really good money. I was like had a solid job with this company to being like, oh, fuck, maybe I don't need this shit anymore. Okay, wait. So, I mean, how do you get to the conclusion that you don't need that anymore? Um, I just didn't like who I was. I was, it was, I guess in the end, I was more about ego than about what I actually needed. Like the fundamental necessities of what I needed to have a good life and be happy. Like I thought that chasing money and trying to have the status and having these things would then, I would be happy with all that stuff. But then when you get them and I'm there and I'm well set up, I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't, I'm not that happy. I'm drinking all the time. I'm in nightclubs. I'm like, is the music really something that I want to do? Or was I just chasing it because of my ego, because I wanted to create a certain image for myself. And then when I start really thinking about it, I'm like, well, that's all it ever was. Like I enjoy music. I enjoy listening to it and enjoy making it. It's fun. But as a career path, it wasn't really me if I really break it down. And, uh, and the fact that I just, you know, at the end, it was more about, the image of me rather than the actual music. And I was like spending more time developing an image than I was focused on music. And then when I thought about it even longer, I'm like, I don't want to sit in like a room and make music. That's not my passion. I want to be outside doing shit. I like being outside. So I kind of gravitated towards doing my own thing and being outside. And then it just so happened that through the process of really focusing on music and really starting to make waves and starting to make connections and starting to have, like we had music released on one of the biggest electronic labels in the world, uh, two tracks, at least on one of the biggest electronic labels in the world, spinning records. And I'm like getting tracks released by them and meeting all these other artists and creating this network. And then in the end, I'm like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to be in like nightclubs like constantly? Do I really want to be surrounded with booze and drugs and all that shit all the time? Do I have the willpower to not, party all the time when you're on tour. I didn't think I did. I was like, I enjoy being social. Like I enjoy, like when people come down for the weekend, I'll have drinks with people. But if it's me sitting there, like if I'm home all this winter, I won't have a drink at all. I don't drink by myself. I drink to be social and have fun. So if I was constantly in that atmosphere, then it'd be a goddamn shit show. I don't know. Is that down a rabbit hole in that one? No, no, I think, <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So I've been thinking a lot about how, how, you know, the switch from the fear of other people's opinion of you driving you to accomplish something to the fear of disappointing yourself. Like, you know how you make that switch and then all of a sudden that's when you really find your passion. Yeah. Is that like kind of what happened? Like was making lots of money something to do with, was that you or was that you trying to figure out? Um, I think that was, I thought it was me, I guess. But the more I thought about it, it was more about uh, projecting a certain image to people. Having because, I mean, that's all you see in today's society. And it's been all this bullshit with people talking about like, oh, I made like six figures and I switched it up to travel all the time and I'm so much happier right now. Yeah. Whatever. Who gives a shit? I mean, that's why I don't like going down that road a lot because, but that's kind of what it is. It's like, I wanted to make money to have status, to have a certain image of me. Even though I said I didn't give a shit what people thought, I'm pretty sure I gave what people, uh, uh, a shit what people thought. And people can tell when you're not being authentic and I think people understood that. Like, they can really, some people can really see through the bullshit. 
Because yeah. in the end, I just didn't give a shit. Like, you know, I like being social once in a while, but to be like that, uh, to be in, in mo- I mean, nowadays it's people see through the bullshit through Instagram, but I mean, so much of like the music industry is so fabricated and, and false. And then the more you get into it, it's like, you know, it's all, everybody's just about building up their egos. And that's pretty much all what it is about. So I don't know, kind of trail. I'm trying to think of the answer to that one. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, in the end, it was pretty much what, you know, based on what other people thought of me. And then, you know, I've had, uh, Bill's mentioned to me quite a bit. This is my, my ex-business partner here. Shout out to Bill. He just had a kid on Sunday. I'm going to visit him tonight. Hey, I haven't seen him in a while. But um, yeah, I mean, he's through this whole journey. He's, you know, randomly will message me and be like, man, this is more you than I've ever seen. Like through all the music shit that we've been through. He's like, people gravitate to this because... Uh, you're being authentic to what you like, to what you do. Like, I don't really, like, it's crazy to think that, you know, what we're doing is like, people attach to the brand and the brand name and and the story behind the brand and what we're trying to do. And it's just absolutely insane that we get to do it. And I get to stay home and, and um, have, make a living, which I'm kind of at the point now where I'm making a full shift from doing any diving. Like I spent all last winter diving. Um, in Libya and that was in the UK in the spring. And so I'm trying to get away from that so then I can focus on this a little more and then build a season that revolves around the business. Like it wouldn't be awesome that we could have like a full 24 months of the year run, not 24, Jesus, (laughs) 12 months of the year. No, no, no. You just (laughs) asked, you let me in on your secret. You are actually two people. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like a 12 month a year operation, like adventure tourism, like tour operator. Like right now, I don't think there's any of that shit in Nova Scotia. From what I know, there's some accommodations businesses that are open twenty or twelve months of the year. But hmm. um, to be an operator that that pushes their season, continually pushes the season, there's so much shit to do in Nova Scotia in the wintertime. But people think we just sleep. So, I mean, that's all I'm doing now. Like I spent three, four months of the summer, high intensity, at my place. Like I don't even leave. Like go further than ten kilometers from my house for like three months. I get to live on my property. People come to my property. I just play host to people. 99% of the time, it's awesome. But then there's that 1% of the time that you're like, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some pretty, there's some stories and it's like, oh my God, like I just don't want to do this anymore. Um, I mean, the worst is, uh, probably for any business is like, it's, it's great and bad, the whole review system. It's perfect. What I like about the review system is, you know, it, it, people can be honest about it because a lot of people don't know. So they'll put honest reviews and you can get a lot of like uh, beneficial advice from those reviews, right? So, you know, one review this year was like talking, I'm the driver on our van because I'm the only person to license. And I had run, uh, so this weekend was the Marguerite Summer Festival, right? I'll just lay it out for you. We had uh, Garrett Mason played at my place Friday night. So we do like 60, 70 people a day tubing on the river. Plus I have about, uh, I have six, uh, 16 campsites, six glamping. And so we do like 50 to 75 people a day camping and then needing stuff and checking in the shop and buying another canteen and blah, 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 asking questions. I'm giving directions. So that was daytime. 4 PM rolled around, load in for the sound. We had the event that night, food truck in. We had the Garrett Mason show Friday, Saturday, Saturday day. We had a full day tubing at we had like 20 people at 11. We had uh, 30 people at two. And then at one, I believe, 
or noon, we had the Innocent Floats race, which we run. It's a margarita. It's a whole like float day for families. So we had like 300 people there for that. So I was coordinating all of that with the team, like my brother and a couple other people that helped us and Allie and whoever else that I worked with and volunteers. But that and then Sunday, we had another full day tubing. And then Monday, I was just like done. I slept like three hours each night, full tilt all day, events, planning. We had like food trucks. We had the whole thing done, had a loadout, tear down, like all this sort of stuff. So Monday, I took out people tubing. And then in one of the comments was like, our driver was just uninterested in us, like blah, blah, blah. He was kind of like kind of insinuated as being kind of a dick, but I probably didn't sleep more than like six hours in like three or four days. And I was just fed up with like the same questions over and over again. So there is room for improvement. So now I can take from that and go, oh, okay, not get pissed off at it and not take it as like a slight against us, but I can go, okay, well, I need to make things better for next year so I don't get burnt out which hire more staff or hire somebody else that take over for me for like a day or two driving so I can have time off or one day off a day, that sort of stuff. Um, but the downside of that shit is when you have like, you know, uh, <clears throat> somebody reviewing you um, that just leaves really negative, uh, inaccurate um, feedback or, or comments because it was just kind of like miscommunication or whatever. But the benefit of that now on every platform is that you can do a rebuttal as a business owner you can reply and normally when you see those one reviews one star reviews you go down you go click and you look at it the owner usually replies and the owner gives their point of view and you can tell whether or not it's like what side it weighs out on one person might be like completely out to lunch yeah and as when you read the business owner's reply you're like oh and as a business owner, if you are a business owner, or if you know about the service insurer behind the scenes, you'll read that and go, oh, I know what happened there. Because you can see, you know, the whole process. But right. that's the two downsides, but or upside and downside of it. But um, yeah, I don't know where we're going with that one either. Fuck, I go off in tangents. It's good. <laughs> like way, that's my problem. Um, and every time we go to a meeting and my brother's involved, he just looks at me and goes, I'm going to kick you every time you deviate from the actual plan. <laughs> It's just like every 15 minutes, it's like, boom, kick. I'm like, fuck, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But your your mind is always going. Yeah, it's been a fun ride. Does your mind not work this crazy? It must work this crazy. I think this is how I get overwhelmed because my mind is like going too much and then I'm just like, but then I just like shut down. Yeah, you're just going to kind of break it down and like doing, um, there, was a, there was a quote that said, if, what was it? I'm trying, I have it written down somewhere. But the gist of it was saying that, Every, every problem has a solution. So if you look at every issue, whether or not, okay, so, you know, maybe for instance, I don't know what, like, uh, garbage cans are overflowing in the campground. Well, one, we got overwhelmed. So, okay, what's the solution to that? Boom. Okay. Well, we're going to do that in the first thing in the morning. We'll set up, uh, specific times and we'll do, uh, a sign out sheet, like each person, whenever they did it, each person's assigned a task for the day or whatever. You know what I mean? Or like the issue in the morning of like dishes in the sink being, uh, giving me anxiety in the morning when I get up, cause now I got to spend time and clean those things. That's a shitty start of the day. Well, the solution is at night. So it's always a, a problem each issue has a solution or each problem has a solution. So if you think of like all the shit in life, like, oh, like say my house is still, this is like the year three and I'm still renovating. I'm still fixing pieces of my house. Um, and you need to go to room to room. 
Well, this was the, when I read this last year, I go, oh, now I'm not going to get pissed off and get overwhelmed that I have to do this house. I'm going to break it down. I'm like, okay, let's go room to room. And I go room and I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, I need uh, lights because it's just like wires hanging down in one room. Okay, cool. Boom. Done. I need trim in this room. I need this, this. So I just make the list and then I went into like Excel and I just took time and I was like, built the spreadsheet time by time by time. And I said, okay, every evening I'm going to dedicate one hour to this list and I'm going to knock off. Like I'll pick all the small things and then like maybe one day a week or maybe whatever, uh, I'll just pick um, a bigger item and I'll focus on that. That's the only thing until that's done. That's my only focus for that day. That's it. Like if it's like installing the light fixtures in the hallway, which I just got in and I kind of fucked up. But <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it's like things like that or just putting the trim in the hallway, just little things. Um, I just kind of get organized. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And I mean, I mean, I was telling before people break it down um, that they're crazy, I guess, in that sense. But, I mean, sometimes the solution is to break it down like that. Sometimes I do do it. But for the most part, if people get too crazy with lists, it's just like out the lunch because it's too much time spent on it. But in that instance, that was the solution to me fixing my house. So these are actions that you take to maintain <clears throat> your mental health. Uh, pretty much your yeah. life and mental health. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's all uh, pretty much the same it's, it's you have or stuff organized. It's like having a clean house. The more we were talking about that upstairs, if my place is clean, then I feel at ease and I can be productive. When I used to work on music, I'd have to clean, make sure my studio was pick and span, like beer cans gone. Like and when I had guests, cigarette butts, cause we'd be like darting in my house was like construction zone. So I didn't give a shit. So darting in the house. Right. Because it was like minus 20 outside, so nobody wanted to stay outside. So, excuse me. I just said, yeah, whatever. Just smoke darts in the studio. So, wow. uh, but it would be clean, all that stuff. Make a pot of coffee, sit down, boom, go at it. And then you're not distracted by the mess. But, yeah, it's mental health. Because I said, like, this summer, I just stayed outside as much as possible because I didn't have time to clean my house. So my house is a goddamn shit show. It's like mop once every month instead of, like, once a week or twice a week or whatever. But craziness yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty you're sure. just staring at me like i'm like fuck it what did i just say I, this entire time i've just been sitting here with my mouse my, <laughs> my mouse my mouse hanging open a little and just staring at you like who who is this yeah i can talk a lot by the way if you it's, haven't noticed <laughs> oh kind of <laughs> got a hint of that <laughs> but it's i don't even know what to say I don't understand you. It's so weird because it doesn't like I just it. I can't even talk because it's just so. There's a lot of information. I think I talk a little fast too, but you know, but it's the way she goes. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. You're this like you're just you're this this machine that just kind of you you operate and you're going smoothly and then you get this like little bump and then you just like hop out and repair it and then hop right back in and then you're going again. And it's yeah, like, I wish things were, yeah. I mean, I wish that was an analogy of, of like how I actually operate, but you know, sometimes it's like all over the place and then it gets just, you, you know what I mean? You progress, procrastinate sometimes and you're like, Oh, deal with it later. I get to focus on this right now. But then it's like taxes. Like this year I'm trying to get all my shit ready. Like so I'm on top of it before the year end. And, uh, and it's like, I'm kind of putting it off cause I'm like, Oh, 
it's going to be nice out tomorrow. I got to go film up doing hiking Tenerife or I got to go Cape Clear with the boys for like sun, sunrise to like film that. And yeah. then we could come back. We could do this because we have to get this done because we're filming this documentary. So I'll put that off to later. But that's like over here. And I know that's there. And I know that's an issue because I constantly go, oh, fuck, I got to deal with that. I got to deal with that soon. I got to deal with that. But then it was like, well, that's the thing. Like you can have so many things that are simultaneously needing to be done. Yeah. Like how do you do that? Yeah, just figure it out. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, it's well, I know it's like all the stuff that I have to do at home. I'm putting off too. Build it. I need a new burn and storage space. I need like to build all the stuff for the campground and all improve the grounds now before the winter hits, so that we're not rushing in the spring. And so, and trying to do it on a budget so that I have money to last me through the winter, so that I can kind of focus on doing things. And it's like it's a juggling act, but I mean it's fun. If I wasn't having fun, I wouldn't be doing it. That's the biggest part. So you're, you enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy the mayhem. I enjoy craziness. The crazier, the better. It's just like so much fun. I just do what I want to do. It's like that's the best part of doing living at home. And I mean, I've been fortunate enough to have a career path that enabled me to have the income to be able to do what I wanted to do and turn turn that income into, you know, live life intense. So I invested a lot of my money. <clears throat> No outside investment, nothing. I never went to a bank, never took a grant, never did any. Well, sorry, I should rephrase that. I took a student grant this year because I wanted to build a business that was self-sustainable on its own. And everybody was like, oh, you know, you're the bank, you can save that money for later. I'm like, no, I want to put my own sweat equity into it. If I can't run this business without having outside funding, I don't want to run it. That's not because then I have to constantly be stressed out by having to pay the bank for their monthly payment. Now I don't have to pay anybody. I don't owe anybody shit. I owe people like the bank for my house, <clears throat> which if I didn't have started the business, I would have paid off already. So like, I don't owe anybody anything. So I get to do what I want to do. And there's awesome, like, it's so much fun. Cause I have no, like I go month to month on my, my cell phone bill. I can easily get rid of that. Don't own any, no car payments on anything. The only payments I'm ever paying a month are internet. Um, goddamn Adobe fees for their fucking suite. It's oh, like, yeah ridiculous <laughs> and then uh yeah and then my house payments and insurance for the house whatever but that's included in your mortgage but you know that's it so as long as those are paid those are so i'm good to go for months now so i'm happy and then i get to do what i want to do so i'm having fun so you know why am i going to change that i don't have to rely that's my my biggest fear is having to um yeah having to be stressed out because you got to worry about the next payment, living month to month. I absolutely hate that. I did that when I was in, um, one thing I didn't tell you about the history, I ran this clothing store, which is kind of like a, it's a dot in my history that I want to delete. Uh, but you can't delete your past. I ran a clothing store downtown Halifax called 2428 years ago. It was an absolute shit show. Um, it was my first forte in like Halifax and downtown. And there was a lot of shit and pe- basically it was like a thing where people are like, you got to do it this way. And I was like, fuck you. I'm doing it my way. And then I had a business partner and that was like really shitty business partner condition and we were friends and it fell apart. So, um, yeah, I was living broke and then I was going through a bad breakup back then too. So uh, we were in like the old reflections building, like right across the street where the Roy building was at. It was like on Granville and Sackville, I believe there was an old building there Okay. and it used to be an old travel agency. So we had our store in there. I lived in a closet upstairs cooking food off of a hot plate and I ate once a day and I was like basically uh, DJing 
stuff I did not want to do to make extra cash so I could actually pay my bills and pay the business bills. So I was like, I'm never going to be this broke ever again when I left there. And that was like my biggest fear is like having to have all those payments above your head that you, that you're a slave to all of that stuff and you can't do what you want to do. So I've been like working towards being being able to do whatever the fuck I want to do when I want to do it. And that might change with, you know, you have kids or something, but you know, fuck it. I'll just be like my dad and take them out wherever I went backpack strap, you know, strap the stove onto the kid's back. Let them walk. There you go. Good to go. (laughs) I'm joking by the way. (laughs) Sort of not, but yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you have your own mind. Yeah. And you're not afraid of your own opinion. No. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize they can do. And I think that's what holds a lot of us back. And I think that's one of the reasons why you are doing so well. Well, I mean, there's a lot of downs too. Like I've lost a lot of money, but money's only money. You can always make more. As my friend puts it. So, um, but yeah, uh, I've always been like that. We talk to my school teachers. They'll be like, we just want you to fuck at high school. And then yeah. talk to my mom and she's like, whatever. Like we couldn't keep you batted down. I remember them grounding me and then I'm like, yeah, yeah, watch this. And I ran outside and jumped on the four wheeler and just took off and bolted and left. I was like, good luck trying to keep me in this house. <clears throat> so that was me growing up. <laughs> wow. You sound like a nightmare. Yeah. Well, I mean, the <laughs> oldest, I had, to, I had to wear them down for my younger siblings. Right, right, right. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was kind of, and I mean, growing up, it was a good uh, set up too, because I, you know, all growing up, my dad was always telling me you can do whatever. I mean, to a certain extent, you can do whatever you want to do. If you put your mind to it. I mean, I couldn't be a professional NBA player if I put my mind to it. I'm just not set up for it physically. And I hate running. <laughs> um, and, uh, I'm not a big sports guy either. Um, I don't find that at all interesting. Yeah. I'd like playing it sometimes like hockey and stuff like dicking around doing that but yeah no um but uh but yeah no they were always were very supportive and then but made me work for shit so like when i was a kid wanted to dj dad said okay i'll buy you gear but you gotta work off everything i was in like we owned the sawmill and forestry business and trucking and all that stuff so i was like six years old stacking like boards in the mill i wasn't getting paid for that not child labor I was, you know, but I was constantly in there, constantly working. Like we were kids, we we're growing up and we had a farm too. So it was like you pick, um, we had to like pick stones out of a field that they were plowing. So we get a scent of stone. So we'd be out there all day picking stones, always working, tending animals, doing all that stuff. So you get learned what the value of things you weren't, we weren't given anything. We always had money in our pockets and whatever. And we always, we always did Dad always made sure we had like 20 bucks if we were going out or whatever, but we always worked that off. Like Saturdays was all chores. Um, everything that I had, I had to work for even school. They just knew they couldn't get me to do anything in school. So mom's like, you got to go to your room for an hour every night. I don't give you shit what you do in that room. But you're going there for an hour every night. You can do schoolwork. You can fuck around. Don't care. <laughs> But, you know, that was their way of managing me. But, uh, but yeah, but the biggest thing was just being able to like live how you want to live. Like basically kind of like how Live Life Intense is set up. It's like live life the way you intend to pretty much. And that was kind of like the whole premise behind it. 
is trying to build something so that, you know, right now it's just me, but my brother's also involved. So the goal is to someday have him involved so then we can run a business so that we can sustain ourselves by using our area, Cape Breton Island. Um, and we can do our own thing together so that he's not, you know, he now has a, a job, but, you know, maybe someday we can have it that, you know, he's employed fully by the business and myself and we have like four full-time employees this summer. Um, so next year we're going to need more. So it's kind of crazy, but, uh, but yeah, it's good to live the lifestyle I want to live, which is fun. I mean, it's a lot of work, but yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Okay. So here's a question I like to ask everybody. Okay. Go for it. What does it look to you to be mentally healthy? That's a good question. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What's it look like to me to be mentally healthy? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to answer that. Um, to be not held down by, you know, other people's opinions of your, like, I mean, I, I know everybody's going to be, if somebody says to you, I don't give a shit about other people's opinions, that's bullshit. Everybody does. Like every single person cares about other people's opinions, but it's how you deal with it. Like people could, uh, like, of course I like, you look at negative comments say on Instagram or on like reviews and it hurts me because I put a lot of sweat equity into this and it's my baby and blah, 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 blah. But then again, it's what you do after that, because that is just, that's just words. That's just criticism. So how do you, uh, where, how do you go from there? So if somebody could call you names or say you're a piece of shit or worse racial comments, blah, 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 uh, homophobic comments. But in the end, it's just, that is just, uh, words like that are coming out of somebody's mouth, sounds that are coming out of their mouth. It's nothing that's going to physically hurt you. So don't fucking worry about it. It's how you go from there and do your next thing. Use that as power to push on. I mean, like someone calling you down say, okay, well, fuck you. I'm going to prove you wrong. And then do it wrong or not do it wrong. Do it right. Do it. Yeah. That's the way, but it's what you do with, with that shit. Don't let people's opinions and stuff bog you down. It's yes, it's going to affect you a little bit, but yeah, again, it's what you do after that point that matters. Who gives a shit? I don't know. Is that a good one? That's a good one. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a fascinating conversation. Yeah, I don't even remember what I said. No, I don't either. No, <laughs> it's just like it's like I've, I got ta- I got asked to speak this thing last year. Um, it was uh, so the Cape Breton Partnership has this like um, investor summit at the Celtic Celtic Lodge in Inganish. So it's like the it's like suit and tie thing. Wow. And like a hundred some people there. So they want to talk about a quick talk about um, live life intense and blah 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 marketing using micro influencers and that whole that whole market. And then uh, I sat on a panel. I can't remember the questions, but that talk. Well, this was when I was supposed to go to to Libya, and uh, they emailed me and they're like, "Can you do it?" I'm like, "Well, listen, I have no clue when I'm leaving. It could be any day in the next two weeks. So I let you know the day before." And so, like, every week, every day after that, they're like, do you have an update? Do you have an update? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So, like, the day before, I just risk it. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. So I emailed her back. I go, yep, good to go. I'll see you there. So I drove up. I had, like, ripped jeans. I had no idea what this was. At the time, I had a ponytail. So I had this long hair, ponytail, ripped jeans, denim shirt, like, all stained. And walk in, dirty pair of bloodstones. They're all muddy. And I walk into this place, and they're like, hey, everybody's dressed in dresses and, like, suits. And it's, like, the business community of... Cape Breton's there. <laughs> and so I'm like walking in and uh, 
I slammed a presentation. I haven't used PowerPoint since like grade eight. So I was like, boom, 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 a bunch of Bernie's pictures, some of Sean's pictures, whatever. And it just played. And then um, got up and talked and I got down. And I'm like, what the fuck did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked over and my friend Jay, who runs Highland Bone Arrow, was there. I go, Jay, what did I just say? She's like, it was good. Don't worry. I'm like, ugh. Whatever. And then I, you know, you get messages on Instagram from uh, a bunch of people like, oh, so inspirational and stuff. I'm like, fuck, I hope so. Because I have not one idea what I just said. But I just kind of like never go into anything prepared. I just kind of go in and just see what happens. Yeah. And in that, I mean, a lot of people have fear of public talking, but that was a way for me to just like, like go. It's the same deal. When DJing, when I was DJing, a lot of people used to prepare sets. Well, for a while, I got so caught up in preparation that. If everything, if anything got thrown off, um, off kilter, I would like be like, fuck, I don't know what to do. And I get freaked out. So yeah. then I started going to shows and getting hired. When I was like, hired to DJ, I just show up with no plan. I'm just like, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. And then, you know, then it's like you're nervous, but then you counteract that with beer and you get loose. But then I'm like, okay, well, the beer is just like a mask for my nervousness. So I'm just going to go in sober now. Now, this is the challenge. So going in sober and try to DJ. And you get so like, I don't care who you are, but you get nervous when you're like going up in front of like a hundred thousand, whatever people. And there's an energy there and you go up as a DJ and you fuck up. You notice you can feel the energy go drop out of there. And then it's how you like go, fuck, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? So it's all in song selection and stuff. Normally you would plan that beforehand, but it was a challenge to just go into it. One sober and then two, uh, not knowing what the hell you're going to play and not organize whatsoever, just to see what happened. And then in that, you just get confidence and then you can start, you know what to do when stuff goes shit. And you're okay, cool. Yeah, we could prep a little bit. So then maybe I'll prep the start of the set and then I'll just wing it for the rest of it. Or maybe I'll prep the start in the end or maybe blah, 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 whatever. So you know yourself. <laughs> you're getting to know yourself. You actually pay attention to how you operate. Yeah, and there's always ways of fix. That's the thing. Every solution, every problem has a solution. So if you're not streamlined in one aspect, so like, you know, uh, what was one that I was thinking about the other day? But I think about it all the time. I'm like, okay, how can I improve this this side of my life? And then how can I streamline that process? I go, okay, this is the first I get to do this, to do this, to do this. Um. Yeah, and it's just like, because right now I have so many things going. I always have a lot of things, but now it's like we've got merchandising I'm getting into. So like getting stuff manufactured at Sandfield. So we're going to a meeting tomorrow with them. So I'm getting that stuff done. And then I have like all the construction work for my grounds. And then you got to think of like, oh, where are we going to be in like three years? Where do I want to go in three years? Because right now I should be doing all the grounds work with our excavator to kind of like, dig out all the ground and get it ready for this time. Like, what do I want to do? What direction do I want to go? And then like building the construction projects with the burn. And then, you know, then it's also that everyday shit and living in the country. It's like a lot of work because now I've got to like get all my firewood in because I haven't had time all year. So I've got to get firewood in. So it'll take me about a week to get everything done. So it's like, how do you manage that in between filming? And now I got to come down here, edit for like two months and put a f- whole documentary together. So how the fuck is that going to work? So it's how do you piece take all these things and then block them up and coordinate it. This is just like another me throwing myself into like a crowd without a plan DJing. I'm just throwing myself in all these things. Do I know it? The first thing about filmmaking? Not a fucking clue. But I have a good sense of like of uh, of feel and energy, and I know 
what'll work, what shots will work. And I've got all, all guys that do it full time that are helping me out on it. So, you know, whatever. It's just like, you don't know it and go learn it. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> that life philosophy seems to be working for you. So far, whatever. We'll be dead someday. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to do before that happens. But then again, you could be dead the next day. And what does it matter? All the shit that you bought. I don't. All the expensive watches that I have that I own that are in a box somewhere and safety deposit box. Like, what do they mean? Nothing. They have value, but value to what? Money. But they have value to me. One of them does because it was the first thing I ever bought when I made good money. But, you know, would I be hurt if they were burnt down tomorrow? No, I don't give a shit. They don't hold any bearing on me. Would I be worried if my house burnt down? Not really. Don't really care. I mean, I put a lot of sweat equity in it. It's great. But in the end of the day, what does the house mean? I can get another one. It's like, just keep moving. Keep growing. That's what insurance is for, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. I hope they don't hear this fucking podcast. Because <laughs> then they'll be like, oh, shit, he let it on fire. <laughs> yeah, he did it on purpose. <laughs> yep. Okay. What do we have for time now? Well over an hour? Yeah. Oh, mama. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with you. Well, we can drink more coffee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And have a snack. Yeah, what time is it? It's 12.40. Okay, cool. Well, we can wrap it up. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Well, okay, we're going to have to do another one of these. Because I stuff to figure you out. Okay, you yeah, you get organized with some things and some questions. I skimmed over a lot of shit, um, and I can talk forever, man. Like we did this documentary, and the boys sat me down. So we were all new at this thing, right? When we started, um, and they, they've done like corporate videos and they do like content for breweries, all that sort of stuff. But as far as long form documentary, how to plan it, how to do it, we had like a good um, oh, advisor on it on how to strategize for it. But, you know, we all sat down. We took a week, 10 days in June. When I first got home, I was offshore for two months, got home. There's so many things happening. And then, okay, you guys are down. We're going to start this. And the day one was me doing my interview. And it was like, I think there's like three hours of just not even usable shit. Because we always just going over the history and they're asking me questions and we're getting our legs and I'm just like going down tangents and roads. Plus, I'm nervous, so I'm talking even more. Yeah. And I'm sitting in front of this like two cameras, all the lights, a guy with a boom mic and like four guys sitting there and they're asking me questions. So I've never been in that position before. And I know the end product is going to be seen by like hundreds and hundreds, hopefully thousands and thousands of people. So I'm like, fuck. And then I'm like, what, you know, what do you leave out? What do you do? Because I always go down roads and tangents and all that shit. And it's like, you know, because I, in my mind, I'm like, I got to tell this story to give context into this one. So then I go over here and then I come back to this one. But then to tell the next point, I've got to go over here to tell this one. I just think that that's the way because it's like, oh, okay, well, for this thing. Oh, by the way, that's that way because my friend and I did this and this and this and this and that's that one. And then boom, 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 boom. So that's why it takes me forever to tell shit. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Thank you for taking time out of your day to come and talk to me. Oh man, I've been texting Sean about this. I think I was like drinking rum one night and I was listening to your podcast. I was working and doing like books and shit and the day finals. 
And I was like, oh man, I got to jump on this thing. I just don't have any, like for me, cause I, because I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to have any barriers and I don't want to have people like telling me that I can't do something like me talking about say the rave scene, drug use, all that sort of shit. That's real life. Like why the fuck are you going to hide it from anybody else? Like everybody knows it's there. This is just who I am. I'm like, I don't give a shit. If you ask me, you know, I'm an open book. If you ask me about the shit I've done and the parties and all that other shit, I'll tell you about it. Cause I want people to know what the experiences are like. And just saying, oh, I never did it. You're hiding behind. So that now has power over you. So somebody can use that for like, I'm going to tell this person about this. Like, well, fuck you. I'm going to tell everybody about it anyway. So what are you going to hold over me? You can't hold anything over me because I'm an open book. And in today's society, you've got like the biggest influencer in that have been podcasts. So before then, I wanted to hide behind this image. But now I'm like, you know, fuck this. This is just who I am. And through these podcasts, if you listen to them, everybody just talks openly about everything and they still have great careers. So I'm not going into politics anytime soon. It's not my, I don't really give a shit about it's going into politics. So what's it matter if I tell people? Like today's society, it's like everybody's attention spans are so goddamn small. Some may be like, oh, he was this and he was a big party back in the day and blah, 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 blah. And then three hours later, they'll be worried about like missing their show on fucking TV. Well, nobody watches TV now, but <laughs> everybody just streams it. But you know what I mean? They'll be worried about something else that happened on like fucking Twitter about some politician that they don't even know. Yeah. Who cares? That's why I have who cares written up my hand right there. <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. So next time I'm going to prepare a bunch of really personal questions and cool. I'm going to ask you them. Cool. And we're going to get into the dirt. Let's do it. Okay. Done. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Okay. Everyone that's listening, thank you for listening. And just know that wherever you are, Lee and I are sitting here. Do you love them? Oh, yeah. I love them, too. Yeah. We can't do anything without all you guys. It's true. True. Have a good morning, afternoon, evening, night. We'll be talking to you soon. Peace.